Degree the podcast. Uh, I'm not Peter Walton, putting on a charming English accent. It's Dan, uh, meaning that uh, Peter's not just taken a break from introducing. He's uh, not actually here this week, uh, which is why this is going to sound kind of choppy today. Uh, with us always is third degree founder, editor, captain, starting centre midfielder. Leader, legend, president, shady club secretary, and all around nice guy, Buzz Carrick. Hello, Dan, calling in today from uh, outside the buildings at the ticket where I'm trying to find Clark Hunt because he's breaking news all over the ticket today. You, you, they're not going to let you in. We got banned last time when we recorded the podcast there. <laughs> Did we? I forgot. Yeah, I mean, I mean we're, we're doing this for a second time because I screwed up the recording. So, you, you know, that's a short memory. Well, hopefully it'll be tighter and cleaner and faster this time, and uh, maybe it was for the best. Get a little practice, scrape the rust off, get going. Preseason training, that's best. Yeah. Well, heading into preseason, we've got a, a bunch of stuff to cover, looking at you know at the end of last year, what's happened over the winter, mostly the snow and 80-degree day and tornadoes and all that. That was a crazy 24 hours. Uh Speaking of some crazy goings on, um, FC Dallas made a a trade that was just for straight money. I think for the first time that I can remember in in bringing over Fafa Pico from from the Philadelphia Union. Um, you know, what do you think of uh, of Pico? What can you tell the listeners? Well, effectively, even though the trade was actually just for money, effectively it was a trade for Don Baji. They traded for Baji for money, cleared a spot, and then traded for this guy. Um, it plays the same position. So that's a, it's a question of style fit. Baji was, uh, didn't fit the Lucci ball, but this guy, uh, Fafa Pico, having talked to, uh, one of the beat riders up in Philadelphia, um, great guy, positive guy. Everyone likes him. Good locker room guy works hard. Um, the reason that Philadelphia didn't want him anymore is because he didn't fit, uh, their system. So it's the same with FC Dallas wanting to get rid of Baji, not wanting to get rid of, but looking to trade a positive asset in Baji. Um, cause Philly doesn't use wide wingers, uh, which is this guy's strongest suit, Pico's strongest suit. They use a system that has two strikers and, 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 and no, and no wide wings like FC Dallas does. So, um, this is a guy that can get behind players, loves to run behind players, loves to dribble at people with a ball at his feet. Uh, he can play defense and high press like Lucci wants. So stylistically, uh, he's a much better fit for Lucci ball. And he did have a much higher production when he was playing as a winger for Philly, uh, two years ago than he did last year when they used him as a false wing, not false wing, excuse me, as an off striker, like a, a, a deeper striker. Um, he can play both right and left wing, and he can play as a nine too. Now, if he does play as a nine, it'll be a different style than Cobra. Cobra's a stand-up, uh, post-up, get-in-the-box kind of guy. Pico would be more of a stretch-the-field kind of guy. So good style versatility there if you need him to play as a nine. But um Bread and butter for him is going to be one of the wingers. Now, right this minute, of course, Michael Barrios is your right wing, and Santiago Mascara coming out of last season is your left wing. Um, Santi's going to have to really work to keep Pico off of the lineup, though, because um, he does bring a level of production that Santi never has. So 
Um, there's going to be some competition at that spot. Um, maybe even some competition for Barrios, possibly, because Pico can't play right as well. So good fit for Lucci Ball. Much better fit than uh, than Baji. And, and I like it as a positive move. I think it's a good thing. Definitely. And, you know, one thing that, that FC Dallas has, has lacked on, well, largely on the left, uh, really since the loss of uh, Fabian Castillo, is you had the goal threat from both sides. You had, you know, Barrios was, was assisting for fun and, and scoring the occasional goal. You had... Castillo was finishing for fun. Even, you know, bringing in, uh, oh, what's his name? He who shall not be named, uh, French guy. Oh, God. Terrible player. Um, wow. I got nothing, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember his name. That's really bad. But um, <laughs> Google it and clean it up. <laughs> nah, he's not worth it. Okay. Um, <coughs> yeah, the, the French guy who's The French guy. Evidently forgettable. Um, you know, he he was scoring in bunches, but, you know, teams weren't marking him. He wasn't really like an out-and-out threat on the wing. It was more he'd just creep into the box. You know, to actually have an out-and-out threat on the wing, uh, a guy who scored 10 goals, made five assists in 2018, uh, you know, to, to balance Barrios and, and really give defenders trouble and, like, you know, a real pick-your-poison moment. It's it's going to be, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, kind of uh, a, a much a much better attack off off the left, not just relying on Barrios to switch wings. Yeah, the, there's a the, the component they've been missing is the verticality uh, component. You know, they've had guys over there that have been okay, but not they not, not could balance Barrios and and. And hopefully, uh, Pico can do that more, more than um, guys like Roland Lamar could. Yeah, you know, that was it. That was it. More, <laughs> more than Jossie could. Uh, you know, more than uh, Pablo Arangis could playing as a false wing. So you know, this guy's going to actually be the kind of player. Uh, even Baji, when he was over there, wanted to cheat in and play center channel instead of playing high and wide. So the high and wide part, the pressing part, the defensive part, all that's a better fit and all that should be a better compliment for SC Dallas. And hopefully he's going to be an impact player. We'll see. You can tell it's preseason when I can't remember, uh, I still can't remember, Roland Lamar's Roland name. Lamar. <laughs> and then when you said Edwin Jassy, my reaction was just, my internal reaction was, who? <laughs> oh, that guy. Jassy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesse, Jesse, probably. Best 20 minutes ever till he got injured. Oh, he faked an yeah. injury. Faked an injury, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the other splash that FC Dallas made so far, probably a bit splashier, you know, a solid million-dollar sign-in. Uh, Tiago Santos uh, from Palmeiras, 31-year-old defensive midfielder, guy with some real pedigree. Do you know... What more does what more from what you've seen can he bring to FC Dallas? Yeah, this signing reminds me of a, a saying from the movie Beverly Hills Cop. It's not sexy, it's animal. Because uh, this is not a sexy signing, but this dude is, uh, from what I'm hearing, is a legit Grezzo level six, pure six, thug six, um, super active, sideline to sideline, quick, decisive, dominates the middle of the park. Um that this this replaces the uh, you know Grezzo effectively. 
I can't I wait assume... until Peter cuts in. It's not sexy. It's animal as a cold open one day. <laughs> Do you remember that scene from the art studio? I don't know if you remember that. You know, uh, I haven't anyway. seen those in, in a while. I need no. to rewatch them. I've been every Eddie Murphy movie for me lately has been coming to America. So yeah, it's uh, not sexy. It's animal. Anyway, um, Santos. Uh, I assumed that when they when the Dallas was going to get a six, I I was thinking more of a veteran, you know, sort of fill in the gaps a little bit when when Brian Acosta couldn't play. But this is a signing that's like a replace Acosta signing. This is a move Acosta out of there signing. Uh, we've already seen on the whiteboard that Lucci had that um, Thiago Santos is penciled in as a starter already. Um, uh, Brian Acosta has been moved back up to the eight, you know, and that gives you Acosta and Cervania at one eight and Paxson and Frey at the other eight. Uh, lots of competition in midfield. Hopefully uh, this guy's going to be the real deal. Now we need to reserve some judgment till we see him. I mean, the tape looked good on YouTube, but let's see how he deals in training. Let's see how he looks. He shouldn't have any troubles with fitness because I think they're coming out of competition pretty recently, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in, in their league down there and their cup down there. So he shouldn't be that out of shape, uh, depending on when his visa gets cleared and when he actually gets here. But I th- I'm confident he'll be fitting in place by the time the season starts. And if he doesn't, if it takes him a couple weeks, that's fine. You can always use a cost in there just like you have been and, and let him work his way in. But um, this is an impact signing and a good signing, and, I, and I'm positive that it's going to be a, a good one. I feel positive it's going to be a good one. Definitely. And, and saying about, you know, when he actually does get in, uh, you know, speaking to uh, to people at uh, FC Dallas, you know, they anticipate a couple of weeks, uh, kind of similar to how Brisson was. Uh, you know, it took a couple of weeks to get his visa. Um, yay visas. Uh, but it won't be anything like Brian Acosta was where, you know, he was a very long time uh, since Honduras was on the naughty list for some reason. Um you know, so should really uh, he'll pre- he's going to miss realistically the uh, the California portion of preseason games against uh, and North Texas Rowdos, Vancouver, Los Angeles uh, FC. You know, probably won't probably not worth risking him at San Anto- uh, the San Antonio game if he gets in for that. You know, so it'd be a nice practice. Is uh, his first game. Uh, you know, likely against the Philadelphia Union ten days before playing them in the league opener. Yeah, it should be enough time. He should be able to step right in. I would think a player of his level and his experience. I mean, maybe a little bit of fitness work, possibly. But like I said, I expect him to be in shape. Um, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, I, they don't need him day one. You know, but because uh, they have other options. But uh, I, I'm not. I'm sure it won't take too long to get him up to speed. So the nice thing about uh, Thiago Santos is that uh, because Andre Zanata uh, came from Gremio, when I talked to Zanata about the Santos the other day, he told me that he actually has been trying to get him from way back when he was at Gremio. So this is a player he's coveted for a long time. And, and Palmeiras was looking this year just recently to jettison uh, money, jettison talent, uh, and rebuild and tear down their whole squad and sort of start over from scratch. Um and so they're jettisoning players that are good players. And because Zanata's brother works at Palmeiras, they were able to facilitate this deal. But I think it speaks well to the player that Zanata's been after him for a couple of years, way back to when he was at Gremio. So this isn't a flash-in-the-pan signing. This is a guy he's coveted. So um, that speaks well. And it'll be the first signing that we can 100% put on uh, Zanata's roster is if this this one pays off and works, check mark in your favor. If it's a crash and burn, well, that's obviously negative in Zanata's um, ch- check sheet. But... Um, 
I think it speaks well of the the value of this. This isn't a flash in the pan signing. This is a guy he's wanted for a long time. I think that says something. Definitely, and you know, and, and the older head who can can really help out the the younger guys in the midfield. Just you know, in practice every day in, in terms of growing. And I think you know, just you know, we we hear a lot about. FC Dallas doesn't spend a lot of money and, you know, they're not going to make a, a Chicharito kind of signing, but, you know, there was a, there was a decent outlay on Grosso. You know, they more than got that back. They got Acosta for a couple of million. They spent another million on, on, on uh, Tiago Santos. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot of emphasis on on building the midfield up and building the midfield up is, is building possession. It is it is everything that kind of plays into, you know, really the, the, the key tenets of, of Luchy ball. Yeah. I think it says a lot about this guy that, and as Anata pointed out when I talked to him that he's maintained himself as a high level starter on one of the big Brazilian teams for years. And that's not as easy as it sounds. And, and, uh, this guy's got some mental toughness. I think it's going to be a positive addition to the squad. Now we'll have to see what we'll to see when he gets into training. You know, the tape is one thing; training is something else. So we'll we'll reserve judgment until we see him. But um, I'm optimistic about it. Yeah, and we'll have a little bit of a wait. Uh, you know, the the team are expecting him to take a couple of weeks to to get his visa, similar to Brasson. Uh, you know, just just getting that visa for whatever reason is. Actually, no. As someone who who has a visa, let me tell you, it's a very lengthy process. Um, shouldn't be as long as as Brian Acosta since uh, Honduras was on the naughty list um, with uh, USCIS. But you know you're going to expect to. He's he's not going to. Yeah, you know, he's probably going to make the the Florida trip at the very end of practice. His uh, his preseason. Sorry, his his first game is you know may well be that Philadelphia game ten days before the teams play you know, in, in the season opener. So, you know, unfortunately, if, if you're expecting to see him in the uh, that Austin Bold game, you may be a little bit disappointed. He may be doing some warm-ups if he's, uh, if he's around, well, assuming he's around at that time. But, you know, um, should be really uh, Jan- uh, February 29th to really, uh, to really see him if he's, if he's starting. And, you know, you spoke about the the whole whiteboard thing that that he was ahead of uh well had a costa up in the eight spot ahead of him so you know we, we do anticipate him starting yeah i would imagine so i you know he, he may take a, a couple of weeks to get up to speed but a player of this experience level shouldn't have a problem i'm sure he's going to come in fit i'm sure fc dallas has given him an offseason training program um tracy and those guys I, i'm sure he's going to be fine if you have to start the season with somebody else in there no big deal. Brian Acosta's fine. You know, the long-run plan, it'll be Tiago Santos for sure, I'm sure. So it just may not be instantaneously, but that's no big deal. It's a long season. Very long, and we're, in, we're only just at the start of preseason this, at the end of this week. Crazy. Um, speaking of things at the start of the season, uh, we had the uh, the Super Draft. Uh, FC Dallas picking out five players, you know, Three from the first two rounds, uh, Manuel Ferriol in the in the second round, and then first round probably the most likely to uh, to make some headway with FC Dallas would be 
Nikosi Burgess and Cal Jennings. Um, you know, you've you've definitely gave us the scouting report at the time on Twitter. What what sort of thing can we expect from the pair of them? Well, Burgess is a big physical center back, but he's got really nice feet and he can pass really well too, which are components for Lucci ball. Um, but he needs a lot of tactical work. He's a very raw player. He hasn't played as much as you would like. Um, my guess is that he hasn't been super valued wherever he's been, probably because he was learning to grow into his size. He's a very big kid. Sometimes those guys uh, mature a little later in terms of their game, just because of how how long it takes them to get you know completely coordinated and athletic. And this kid now, if you look at the tape, is impressive. So. Diamond in the rough, though. I imagine he'll play a whole lot this year for North Texas. But I do expect him to be the fifth center back on the FC Dallas roster just so he can be in training every day with FC Dallas and learning. Um, when you pick a guy 14th overall, you're expecting him to make the team. Unless he's a complete bust, he will. Cal Jennings, on the other hand, is the guy that I, I wanted coming into the draft. I was hoping that he would slide to 14, and then Dallas didn't pick him, and I was heartbroken. But thankfully, he lasted to 17. You know, you're looking at a guy who's a first-team All-American, first-team All-Conference, Conference Player of the Year, led D1 in shots, led D1 in goals, has a bunch of hat tricks. This is a game-changing player in college. Now, can that translate to the program just like from that? Well, no, but if you watch the tape or if you watch him in person, he's a dynamic player. He's got verticality. He's got breakaway pace. He's got moves to make space. He can get behind. He can high press. I saw him pick pockets and score goals that way. And he's an in-the-box kind of player. He gets in the box and he converts, and he scores goals in big moments. He scores cross, converts crosses, and converts at a high rate, a high efficiency in the box. Now, can all that impact on MLS? Probably not right away. You'll probably see him start with North Texas some while he gets his feet underneath him. But I actually think this is a player that will make some rosters over the course of the season, and we'll get into some MLS games over the course of the season. Um, he's going to compete with Pepe for some of that late-game time. Um Right now, they only have one striker in Coleman on the roster, so uh, there's there's room for to for this guy to get a little action. And I think when you get this times of the year when there's lots of call ups, you'll see him get some chances and you'll see him make some impact. Probably not a rookie of the year kind of impact, but some level of impact. And and I think he'll be the most influential pick they made this year for what that's worth. Um, the the last guy, Manuel Ferriol, uh, he plays a ten at James Madison, but. Um, I don't think he's going to be a 10. I, you know, Lucci emphasized that he could play as a six and has played as a six, but I don't think he meant it like t- that he would be a six. I think that's Lucci speak for he's willing to play some defense. So that probably means he's an eight. Now the roster is probably pretty full already. It's definitely full at the eight type position. So um, North Texas, however, is, could use a guy in that spot right now. They only have Emmanuel Almaguer at the eight. So there's a, this guy could be a body. Now, will he take a North Texas deal? He's got to be an international player, so he might have some pull to go back to Spain where he's from, or maybe he's getting some USL pull, so he may not be interested in a North Texas contract. But if he is, it would be nice to see what he can do, what he has to offer. Cause, and then anybody else past that guy, it's all going to be North Texas. You can prove any value when you take a North Texas deal to develop and show what you got because there's just not room unless something really, really surprising happens. There's just not room on the FC Dallas roster for more than two of these guys. So with uh, with that pretty full roster, you know, how do you feel it compares to last year? Is, is FC Dallas better today than it was at the end of last year, or or even at the start of last year? Uh, I think it's better than it was at the end of last year, but I don't think it's in. I think it actually is right even with where it was at the start of last year. You know, you've talking about essentially uh, Baji for Pico. Now, we, we've talked about Pico's production and how we like it, but remember last year, Baji was banging in goals like crazy. So 
um, uh, from our mentality standpoint, we're about as confident in Pico right now as we were in Baji coming into last year. Now, Baji didn't work out. So if Pico does work out, that's better. But right now, it's about the same. Um, you only have the real question, of course, is Coleman. Nah, goodness, Coleman. I got Coleman on the brain because he went to Barcelona today. Cobra at the nine. Now, if Cobra repeats what he did last year for the last 10 games and has a 20, 25 goal season, then great. FC Dallas is way better. But that's a lot of weight and a lot of if on one guy. Um, cause if he doesn't do that and he didn't score on the road and it was only a short span of time, if he, if he's not on, if he gets hurt, Dallas is going to be in trouble again. So really Cobra is all they have. That's exactly like they were at the beginning of last year again. So, um, you know, there is more competition for places, particularly in midfield. Um, but Thiago Santos frees up Acosta to go back, uh, to the eight. So Acosta, Cervania. Um, Jesus, uh, Ferreira and Paxton Pomichol, those four guys for two spots, four really, really guys. So really good guys there. So it's, it's, uh, it's possible that, um, you could see Cervania and Acosta be your two starting eights in there. And maybe Pomichol and Ferreira have to go compete in wing. Maybe they'll be on the bench some. So, uh, all, all in all, I think, I don't think you can say FC Dallas is better right now than they were at the start of last year. I think it's exactly the same place as it was a year ago. So they still got some work to do. Now, you mentioned Cobra, spelled specifically with a K. Like the K in Garden Snake in case <laughs> he gets bad again. Uh, we did see on draft day some some video clips in the war room and in, in Lucci's office. And there happened to be a whiteboard. Now, you've already referenced this whiteboard. It, it had Tiago Santos starting at the, uh, at the six. It had... Hara or Jara or however you want to say it ahead of Cobra now we did some digging at the time and we figured out that the only striker whose name is Hara who isn't 57 because there actually was one that was 57 yeah really old guy yeah <laughs> um is Franco Hara, um, 31-year-old Argentine forward at uh, Pachuca, who FC Dallas fans may remember for his third-minute goal in the uh, Conca Champions a couple of years ago. Yeah, now we're, we're doing a little reaching here because this is not like a 100% concrete name, but um, when you see uh, the coach's office and they're starting 11 on a board behind the coach and it says... Jara or Hara on the on the wall, uh, that's a pretty good indicator. And and you know we've talked about the Dallas's need for a nine for a long time now, and in particular this specific season, to put all your eggs in the Cobra basket. As much as you like Cobra, as much as we all like Cobra when he's scoring, that's a lot of the season carried by one guy. You've he's got also to have never done it consistently for a season right. in his career. Right, but that's what I mean. It's like that's too much on one guy when you're talking about a professional organization. You have to get another nine. So this guy makes a lot of sense. Now, if he was, if this Franco Hara was 27, we'd be dancing in the streets. This would be amazing. You're talking about a guy who at 31, though, is still producing. He's got eight goals in 16 games in Liga MX. That's, that is not bad. That's a pretty good strike rate. Um, his contract was up in the summer. And Lucci, you remember in the athletic article, talked about the next two windows being active. Well, that makes sense because they were going to get him for free in the summer and they're trying to convince him to come now. And most importantly, Dan Hunt was on the ticket 
as we recorded this, started recording this podcast, saying that the FC Dallas is about to announce a striker from Mexico. Uh, FC Dallas, in fact, has a very big announcement coming on a player that we're signing from the Mexican really? first division. Yep. Um, and are the rumors out there uh, that it, it's been totally quiet so far? So you guys are the first. To You're know. kidding me. Yeah. No, I'm not. Uh, well, because that was the next question. Are you willing to spin that type of dough that it takes to? Yeah, we we have a player coming that we think is going to be a difference maker. Uh, it's going to he's going to help us score a lot of goals and hopefully bring a championship back from Mexico. From Mexico. And that, when is this announcement going to be made? Uh, in, in the next week or so. That, after after the football game. Yeah, well, we we haven't coordinated it with the football game, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, after the AFC Championship I'd, game. Okay, this guy, Franco Jara, is from Pachuca. He's a striker from Mexico. He's from Argentina, but he plays in Mexico. He's a goal-scoring, goal-producing, trophy-winning player from a team that over the last five, six years, Pachuca's been fantastic. So, um, you know, it's a perfect fit for a... Hunt owned FC Dallas. Now we know the Hunts were never going to go spend seven million dollars, ten million dollars. We're not getting Funes Mari back. You know, as much as I like to joke about that and, and dream about it, we know that's not happening. This guy on transfer market jar was listed as three point five million. You know, FC Dallas probably would have liked to have waited for his contract to be up. Maybe they've negotiated some kind of early release. We'll have to wait and see for this announcement. Hunt said it's going to be after the AFC Championship game that it'll take place. Uh, not immediately, just in the week after that is what he was saying on the ticket. So, you know, um, we feel pretty confident that it's this guy, Franco Jara. We'll see if it really is. Now, if it is him, I like it. I think this guy's about as good as a player as you're going to get for the amount of money the Hunts are willing to spend. A guy that can produce, a guy that can compete with uh, Andresic, a guy that can mentor Ricardo Pepe because he plays the kind of game that I think Pepe can play. Uh, and so this is a good ad. This is a good FC Dallas piece. He's uh, has the right um, uh, Latin American style and, and flavor that fits within the FC Dallas organizational culture. So I feel really good about this move. Now, if this move happens and it's legit, then yes, FC Dallas will be better this year than they were at the start of last year and the end of last year. This is a positive move. If it is the guy, then I quite like it. And I, I think it's going to make FC Dallas a top three team in the West. Maybe not quite MLS Cup winning, but it's a movement in the right direction. And uh, we'll say, like, he's definitely not past it. Looking at, uh, you know, I know uh, the Apertura Clausura thing is confusing as hell when you come from Europe, but he's scored 30 goals in his past two seasons. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Is like this guy's been producing in Liga MX. Liga MX is not chump change. I mean, this is a legitimate league that lot, most people will tell you is better than MLS. If not, if it's not, it's at least equal. So this is a guy that's still been getting it done at the top level, uh, you know. And it, and if it's a case where he can't beat out Cobra, then that means Cobra is going to be killing it. So, you know, either way that it goes, whether this guy makes Cobra better or whether he becomes the guy. And Cobra gets better because he's fighting him, or whether and whether he drags Pepe in the direction we want Pepe to go. But all those things are positives, and this guy, uh, Franco Jara, I think is going to be a positive addition uh, if indeed it is the guy. And I don't. And all signs are pointing that it is. Uh, but until we see it on paper, you know. I, and again, like anybody else, it'll take a little bit to get the uh, paperwork done. So he's not going to be starting the opening game of the season. But 
Um, within a, if they can get him now, like the Clark Hunt says they are, instead of having to wait to June, that's terrific. Earlier the better, right? You want to get him in grain, get him feeling good about being with Dallas and get him worked into the team. You know, that's that's the ideal. One thing we kind of had circled was uh, to talk about uh, another potential winger or, or really what FC Dallas's maybe plan A or plan B was uh, regarding the wing. Yeah, one of the things that was interesting about when Lucci did that athletic article, I think that was where he said it, um, that, that they weren't just looking for one player. There might be two players. Um, and I think that player is still a wing. And, and the reason I say that is because um, they traded for uh, Fafa Pico on November 26th, right around Thanksgiving, right? Well, about a week before that, um, on November 17th-ish, were the stories about um, the, the winger, uh, Roman Filippopto, who I'm probably butchering that name, um, from um, Nîmes in France, who whose move was rejected. Now, there was enough talk with that story, like the team was quoted and he was quoted, so there was enough legitimacy there to that story that that it was an actual pursuit by FC Dallas. Now, I'm not saying that they go back to that player specifically. I'm just saying that in order for Pico to have been traded, literally like. Uh, you know, eight, nine days later and, and including in that was Thanksgiving. That to me means that they were seeking this signing at the same time they were trying to trade for Pico. So I think that says that they're still on the market for a wing because right now you have, uh, let's say for, for hypothetically Pico's a, a left winger and you have Santiago Mascara's your left winger. You have Michael Barris and your right winger. And then you have question marks. You have, could you use, Jesus Paxson, sure. Maybe you have Francis Atuahene or Emma Tuomasi. Maybe, maybe use a false winger and Thomas Roberts. Lots of ifs and buts, right? Thomas so, so for me, I think if you're trying to build a frontline competitive two guys at every spot kind of roster, that there's still, excuse me, still room for another winger on this team, another guy, prime of a career. So. Um, that one's a little bit of a more of a tea leave reading one from me that I think they're still after a wing. But when I look at the roster, that's where I see there still looks like there's a gap, uh, particularly because even like Santiago Mascara or Fafa Pico, we're not 100% sure on those two guys, right? I mean, we like what Pico looks like, and sometimes we like Mascara, but how often is he healthy? You see what I mean? So I, I, I still see a gap for another winger, uh, and based on their actions, I think they're still after one. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I mean, when you look at the uh, nine days between the uh, uh, Filippotti rumor and, and the uh, the Pico trade, you know you're waiting for league and and U.S. soccer approval. That's a couple of days burn. And there's talking to that thrashing out a deal with with Philadelphia and and, and everything else. It's you know it, it's not the overnight process that. You know, uh, video games like FIFA and Football Manager um, have us believe. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, with those last three roster spots, uh, at least, you know, before any, any loans or any uh, any shock releases, uh, you know, how that how that pans out, um, assuming Hara comes in and takes one. Um, yeah, we know FC Dallas likes to keep a roster spot open. Yep. Um, you know, will it be a winger? Will it be another defender for for any reason? 
Well, I think I think uh, if they go after a winger, it's more than likely it'll be uh, in the summer, just because there's nothing bubbling that I'm aware of, and they just got Mpico. So I think that's a down the line concern. Um, the, there's going to be some guys going out on loan. You know how it is with FC Dallas and these younger guys. The last two years loaning out uh, to Amase and, and a, to a Hene. Before that, they loaned out Jesus and they loaned out Savania. There's going to be some loan outs like that. Thomas Roberts would be ideal. Uh, Brian Reynolds, Brian Reynolds, if, if Reggie Cannon is still here and right now it's all the signs are Reggie's not moving now. The signs are Reggie might move in the summer because um, what I hear is they're not getting enough high enough offers for his valuation yet. So if Reggie Cannon's here, uh, Brian Reynolds needs to be starting for somebody. So if it's not FC Dallas and North Texas isn't good enough, he, he's too good for that team. So they need to loan him out to a USL championship team, maybe somebody in MLS, whoever it is needs to be somewhere where he's going to start because eventually Reggie Cannon's going. If it's not this summer, it's in the next year for sure. So they got to get Reynolds ready or, or they got to get um, Eddie Mujoma ready. Now, Eddie was just coming in. So I think they'll keep him around because they want to keep him in camp because they're just now getting him and Reynolds, they know what they got and they're like, he needs to start. So we're going to send him out. I think they should send him out and start, but probably USL championship team, maybe somebody they got a good relationship with an Austin bold, somebody like that, um, an OKC, somebody like that. And we also yet to see what's going to happen with Tuamase and a Tuahene. I mean, those guys now going into a third season without really progressing and really getting where we're going. I and mean, we need to see something happen with those guys. Or I think you're looking at, you know, I hate to say wave, but um, trade or, or dump or loan just to get them out of the way. So um, I think there's a chance some other spots are going to open up. But, uh, you know, and obviously, of course, you're still going to have your North Texas back and forth. So any given week, somebody like Thomas Roberts may or may not actually be on the roster, depending on whether he's quote-unquote loaned that week or or Cerrillo's going down and playing with them. So Cerrillo's not on the roster this week. You know how it is. There's a lot of flexibility in the North Texas uh, because of North Texas with the roster these days. Definitely. And, and speaking at North Texas, uh, roster, a couple of additions uh, that we sort of spoken about a little bit. Uh, Philip Ponder coming in from um, SMU. Uh, you mentioned him as as maybe not being uh, a homegrown target right this time, as uh, Eddie Manjama was, but but one to look at in the future. And now uh, you know now he's under contract with the USL team, and then. Uh, Gibran uh, Rio, who'd uh, stepped up from the academy. Yeah, Ponder um, is a solid center back. Uh, if unspectacular, he does not got has not been getting the conference honors and stuff like that. Like Manjoma is a prototypical uh, Luchi ball outside back who has the goals and assists, you know, up and down the field, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Ponder is a steady, stable, solid defender. He was in the same academy class as Reggie Cannon. Um, uh, and Eddie Monjoma w- that won the uh, DA championship um, back-to-back, won the 16s and then the 18s back-to-back. Um, so, you know, solid piece, solid player, you know, not ready, um, not worth. Like if he'd been in the draft pool, he probably would have been like a third-round pick maybe. So, you know, a kind of guy who for Dallas they would be interested in for North Texas, like Breck Evans, see if they can develop a little bit, see if he can progress a little bit. Um, I suggested a couple of weeks ago he's perfect to be signed as a, a guy for North Texas. And and obviously, not because of what I said, but obviously because I, they agreed with that analysis that he's taken a deal, and that's fantastic. So that's a good ad. He's a good, quiet leader. I like him. 
Uh, Gibran Rayo is interesting. Uh, the first Academy kid in a while that's taken a contract. Um, he's been with the 19s for three seasons now because he played up when he was uh, still U17 eligible. He's, he's a very frequent uh, MLS training camp invite because his touch and pace and skill are good enough to keep up with FC Dallas training. Um, but sometimes with him, the package of the, when you add up all the skills, you don't quite get the player that you have. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't score a lot of goals. He doesn't assist a lot of goals. He doesn't, he doesn't impact the game like I'd like. Um, uh, there's a lot of raw ability there. It's just somehow it hasn't translated yet into like a player. It's kind of a weird guy. I have trouble putting my finger on him sometimes. So, uh, he's actually a perfect kind of player. I think for, a North Texas, a guy that you're like, boy, there's there's a lot here, but we got to get it, figure out how to get it all going. We got to figure out how to get it working. So he's played a bunch for North Texas already. So you could have seen him play if you've watched him play. I think he played in 12 games with four starts, scored a goal. So, you know, the NTX level player already, but um, not a homegrown MLS, homegrown level player, and not a guy who would benefit from college and go sit around half the year. This is a guy that will benefit from being around North Texas and, and FC Dallas can use him in training, uh, you know, right and left because they already do. So that's a good position. You kind of alluded to, uh, to something that I really want to get your thoughts on. And I know, uh, you'd actually mentioned the, the North Texas, um, log jam, you know, Tanner Tessman, uh, going off to Clemson, uh, on a two sport scholarship, uh, Nico Carrera going off to college, Louisville. Uh, sorry? Yeah, Louisville. Louisville. For Nico, um, Louisville. Yeah. Uh, Diego Latif uh, heading to... Tigres. Tigres. And Johan yep. Gomez going to Porto. Yep. Uh, obviously, the latter two, you know, that's, 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 those are pretty nice offers if you get them. Um, you know, you've, you've got a bunch... You've got academy players not signing those North Texas deals. I mean, yep. Is, is this part of the plan, or is this kind of... And some growing pains in the early stages. Uh, let's throw Seth Wilson and Clemson in there too. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, this is a growing pains of the system. Um, and and I wrote a long article about it. And this is not to be a criticism of FC Dallas, just as, a, as much to say it is this is the current landscape. It's like right now they're having difficulty um, convincing homegrowns to take uh, North Texas contracts. Um, now, I will specifically mention that Diego Latef and Johan Gomez are two of the six players that have turned down contracts. I don't want to mention the other ones because they're kids. Uh, but the two that left, I think it's okay to mention them. So Latef went to Tigres and Gomez went to Porto. Um, you know, uh, those two specifically took other options. And they didn't take options that pay money. They both went to the under-19 team of another team. So... And, and then the guys that have committed to college, um, you know, how many of them have offers and, and whatnot or whatever, but none of them are signing other than Rayo. None of them are, uh, who probably wasn't, I've never seen a college commitment from him anyway. So I don't think he ever was even interested in college, but um, they're not taking the deals. And so basically like, I know one of the people that turned it down was over length. Some of them are about money. Most of them are about money. Um, you know, and when you're, we're talking about a young kid who's, had preached at him the whole time, this whole, like, we're all in this together, we're all one big family, uh, you're a big part of the club just as much as the pro team. Okay, I'm 18 years old, awesome, I'm ready to sign. Here's 20 grand, right? 
like a homegrown deal minimum is 70 grand. It's like, it's kind of a slap in the face a little bit. And then, uh, and other than Pepe, of course, we haven't seen a single player go from North Texas to, to FC Dallas. And Pepe, I think Pepe's a, uh, you know, a, a smoke screen. Pepe was always going to be a homegrown, mm-hmm. you know, uh, great that he was willing to do the North Texas thing first. That's the way it should be. But there should be five or six guys a year signed as homegrowns. Right now, it's not happening. And Pepe signing that North Texas SC deal first was crucial to North Texas SC, you know, really, really gaining credence as as a soccer club of its own, not just being a reserve team. I mean, it was great that he's willing to do it and great that they thought of it and great that they did it. But I've specifically had parents of some of these kids uh, turn down deals say to me, Pepe doesn't count. They all know he doesn't count. They all know that he was going to be a homegrown at some point. So, you know, he's the kind of player that homegrowns are for. Truly, truly special. It's the next level guys. It's the guys we've mentioned, right? Those are the guys that you're now missing on who, for me, uh, now the one I won't say that about is actually Seth Wilson. Not that I'm speaking of it, that he's turned down to you. I have no idea. But um, goalkeepers mature later. So I'm okay with Seth Wilson going to play college and USL ball for three or four years. That's fine. You know, he'll be 22, keepers play to their 40 if they want, right? So no big deal. It's the guys that are the really skilled midfielders, your testmans. It's guys like, and maybe even some younger guys, maybe even like Jonathan Gomez with his brother now having gone to Porto. I mean, that one worries me. That's one of the best talents left in the academy. And I'm now worried that he's going to go to Porto too, right? Because his older brother did. So it's like, they got to figure out a way to crack this nut and get some of these guys to stay guys that are, that are drawn to the college life guys that are, whose families don't get soccer. You got to figure a way to cross this hurdle as an organization, or you're going to miss out on bags of bags of talent. Do you think there's any like blowback from, you know, when, uh, when Weston McKinney went to Schalke and then FC Dallas signed up, uh, you know, some players who really weren't quite ready yet. I mean, we, we knew that Brian Reynolds was going to be there at some point, uh, but, you know, it took him a, a, a few years of being on the first team payroll. And, you know, you said that the, the minimum for a homegrown is 75. Well, let's be honest, half of these guys are on double that, or, or at least at least six figures. And... You know, to be offered like a a twenty grand part time kind of salary, yeah. it, it's. I mean, it could almost be taken as a bit of a slap in the face, of saying, "Why well, put in the same work as them?" And you and you're telling me that I'm going to get to their level, so why not put me on that same timeline of when they were fifteen? When they were fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, they were they were getting the money, and I'm getting some chump change yeah you could even look at dante Seely, who was what a year ago yeah. who turned down a uh a north texas offer or refused north texas offer now he has some bargaining position because dante's got a tnt passport um which gives him other options that other guys don't have um somehow through tnt in spain i think he has options to go before he's 18 even so uh, but again dante Seely is a special special kind of talent so uh yeah, the FC Dallas definitely had to spend some t- years signing guys to protect their investment. Paxton and Jesus both were signed really before they should have been. 
um, in order to not lose them. You know, that's and that's what the homegrown deals almost have to be. They have to be for guys that you can't afford to lose, even if they're 16, 15 years old. Guys that are truly special, like Pepe, for example. Um, but you're right. Like if you're if you're the next guy, if you're that next level guy, and let's let's use Standard Testament as an example, because I think he's supremely talented, but isn't Pepe Golden Boy talented, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if if you go to uh, to Tanner Testman, whose dad works for Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, and you say, Tanner, here's 20K, here's 40K. Well, dude, that's not even worth the college scholarship I'm getting, let alone actually paying me. Now, FC Dallas does include uh, free education through their um, agreement with uh, Southern New Hampshire for any North Texas signings. So you would get that. Uh, Academy signings, I should say that you would get that, you know, that value, but uh, that's not the same as let's look at Tessman. That's not the same as the Clemson case. Right. And also where he's going to play football for Clemson and be in that whole environment. I mean, what, what, that's super hard to turn down for an American kid. And you're going to offer me what 20 to 40 or whatever it is they offered him, you know, uh, I mean, that's a no brainer that he would turn that down. It's like, you got to, if you want somehow or another, you got to figure out how to convince these kids. And believe me, you and I know, that you're not going to develop into as good of a pro in college as you are playing for North Texas. North Texas is unequivocally better situation, but sometimes it's not about just that. It's like, you're going to look at the money that people have been getting that haven't played in three years, getting paid 70, 80 K a year, hundred K a year. And now you want me to do the same thing for 20. So you can see what the, the why there's a disconnect. Yeah. I, I do think uh, Tessman's a bit of a special case. Uh, you know, when, when, sure. you, when your coach is someone you lovingly call uncle Bo, and, yeah, you know, you're, you're on the idea of, hey, we're going to put you on the football scholarship. You know, we want you to kick some field goals and stuff. Oh, uh, by the way, there is a pretty decent chance you will have a national championship in two different sports. Yeah. And I mean, no l- what let's, you do, that's going to be, you know, that's let's use a different example. Let's use a different example then. Let's look at Nico Carrera, right? U17 for Mexico, U17 for the United States, plays in the worlds, mm-hmm. right? That's about as high level a defender as you're going to see. And he's probably got teams from Mexico calling him, I bet, right? He's got this Louisville offer on the table. Not that Louisville's the juggernaut that some of the other schools are, but still, nice opportunity, right? So, again, you're going to offer him what? Who knows what, right? A North Texas budgeted contract. Why, why would he do that? You know, it's like a, that kid's probably got five Mexican teams on the phone offering him money, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, and you can pick any player that you think of as like, oh, that's a dude I want to have play for North Texas because I think he can play for FC Dallas someday. Like even in Johan Gomez, who was slightly borderline on that, if you wanted him to pay him to play for North Texas, he's like he got a chance to go to Porto. Why wouldn't you jump at that? If it doesn't work out a year or two later, then you can come back and play for North Texas, right? I would think. I wouldn't think they would turn him down if he were to come back. Oh no, so, absolutely not. Yeah. So I, you know, it, it's it's a it's a it's a problem that FC Dallas has to figure out how to un, uh, overcome, because there's a, there's this second tier of talent that is potential pro talent that you don't want to lose out on, you don't want to miss out on it. Some of it you might never make it to MLS. Some of it you might sell, you know. But it's like it's part of how this. You don't want to go to your third or fourth tier talent to fill up your North Texas roster and lose out on. Because if these guys all go to college and they can just go anywhere, you know, once they're eighteen, they can do whatever they want. You know, can't go to another MLS team, but there's lots of it's a million teams in the world to go to. I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, what's the worst case? It looks like um, something like Shaft Brewer, where he goes off to uh, 
to Europe, it doesn't pan out. So, you know, his, you know, he ends up having uh, LAFC pay fifty grand to release his rights. And okay, yeah, it didn't work out too well for him there either. Eventually, but you know that ju- just with those steps already, it's it's something to get your foot in the door. And you know, you you know that you're at least a raw talent that coaches will want to develop. Yeah. Yeah, it, there's an appeal to um, you, you're fighting against both the appeal of college or the appeal of the Europe or the Mexico, especially for all these um, Mexican kids that FC Dallas has and a lot of, you know, I mean, they, they all turn 18. They got the world in front of them. It's, you know, MLS is just one small, tiny corner. And in order to get them to take those lower North Texas deals, you know, you're going to have to do some work to convince them it's right, you know, because no one's going to want to. If they don't think it's right, they're going to go somewhere else. So they can't feel like they're giving up something to stay with you. You know, just not that much. Give up a little bit, maybe, but not that much. That seems like a lot. One one of the things that um, a lot of people don't know about is you can actually trade homegrown rights. It doesn't happen very often, but there's been a couple of players in the last two years that have been traded. So let's say, for example, you're a purple team that plays in Florida. And you have your technical director as a former technical director for a Dallas team. And your head coach is a former head coach of a Dallas team and a former academy director of a Dallas team. And your let's say your Purple Academy is Jack. It's never produced squat. That seems very and, um, very accurate. And let's, well, let's say that you happen to know some of the talent that's placed for FC Dallas Academy that may be looking to sign a contract that may want to be at homegrown. Maybe you can call up the house and say, here's what well, the going rate seems to be something between hundred K to 200 K of Tam Gam and mm-hmm. a pick or two or an international slot somewhere in that range. But you could easily see, I mean, Orlando is just one example of somebody that, cause there's 80% of the league has crap academies. And so you might see, I mean, maybe that's an answer. Maybe that's why if FC Dallas has no room for homegrowns, maybe they can trade some of these homegrown rights for an asset that they can actually use, you know, some TAM game. Although the collective bargaining agreement is going to change a lot of things this winter. So I wouldn't do it right now. But, you know, if you're, if, if you're a kid that's not getting a homegrown offer from FC Dallas and you happen to know Oscar and Muzi, I mean, get them on the phone, right? Hey guys, how'd you like to have me come play for you? You know, I mean, it's possible. Sure. And and they're just one of 20 te- teams now in this league that, that might be more than happy to come steal some home runs from FC Dallas. Yeah. I mean, that, that is effectively what happened with Schaff Brewer. Um, yes. And, and you mentioned the, uh, the Tam Gam thing and, and the CBA, uh, you know, we've, we've heard, um, reports where some technical directors have said, you know, uh, as a policy, we're not spending Tam because, we think it's going to go away or we don't know where it's going to go to. Or um, I think, I think it was Brian Schmetzer in, in Seattle had also, no, sorry, Gatelago in Seattle had said, uh, you know, they haven't made any significant sign-ins as, as defending champs, but they're like, well, we're not going to de- jeopardize the players we've got in case, you know, Tam does go away and we have to suddenly pull a, yeah, and like LA did a couple of years ago when they end up jettisoning uh, Gio de Santos. Yeah, they're waiting to see if the rules change because there, there could be all kinds of rules that could change. Yeah, well, with this one, we're also waiting to see if the season starts on time because oh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of talk of 
there's you know there's there's a high possibility of a stoppage and the mm. season not starting in February for the first time. Oof, what a drag that would be. Yeah. I hope not. And, I hope not. And then I don't think turn, this league is robust enough to be able to handle that. I you know I hope the players see that this league is still fragile on some levels. I know somebody just paid three hundred million dollars for an expansion fee, but um, this isn't you know the NFL. <laughs> this is still Major League Soccer. Hopefully they can. Oof. I think uh, last time you know they they kind of they budgeted on support from the NFL Players Association who are probably the weakest players association of all. Um, so, you know, there, there wasn't a lot there. But, it, I mean, it's, it's all political at this point. It's, it's who's talking to who. I know yeah. the Independent Supporters Council and the MLS Players Union have, have been in uh, close contact for a while. And, you know, while there won't be, like, financial support from a group like that, there is... There is pressure on the owners. Your your customers are, are suddenly taking their dollars elsewhere. Um, you know, it could, it could get messy. Uh, it it may not. Um, I did see. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but our, our good friend um, Dustin Nation, with the greatest name ever, mm-hmm. um, actually spoke to uh, to someone about the CBA who used to work for the players' union. Um, I, I will definitely take a listen to that at some point. Yeah, I recommend his podcast, uh, that one for sure. Yeah, da- uh, Dallas Sports Nation. Is, uh, yep. Definitely a, definitely a solid one. Uh, it was fun to be on his live show at the end of last year as well. Uh, I think I think all three of us have been on his show at one point or another, haven't we? Yeah, I've done it too. So has Peter, yeah. 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 Friend so, of third degree, we call him. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He's a friend of everyone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we're both going to get tweeted uh, with all this gushing thanks now. So <laughs> you're welcome, Dustin. Yeah. Shout out. So, uh, yeah, that, that kind of brings us uh, pretty full circle of, uh, you know, physicals start up on Friday. Um, you know, if you're listening to us on Friday, happy days. Um, first session, 10 a.m. on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh on Monday uh, I'll be there I take it you'll be there oh yeah um, and then Tuesday's the Lucci's press, season opening press conference yeah well some of us have to be at work for that mm. uh, yeah so I won't get lunch on the on the team with Dan Hunt yeah but uh, that you can match they, that, that can be the new thing you've, you've had lunch with Lucci and then lunch with <laughs> Dan Hunt too well, the, the the one on Tuesday will be a group thing, but uh, I imagine I think I'm going to go Monday and Tuesday both. We'll see how I'm feeling about doing both, but uh, wow. got to get a good start to the season, right? Absolutely, uh, and you know I know a lot of fans uh, traditionally have come out to the first session. Obviously, every year MLS makes it a little bit harder, and FC Dallas puts a little bit more tarp up um, to combat that. Quite often, fans would drive a truck and just stand on the tailgate and look over from the parking lot so yeah, uh, yeah um, not going to say hey come out but maybe 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 maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe we'll see you um, did you want to talk about the NWSL draft I did actually yes so uh, gonna actually haven't finished writing story yet so maybe the pod will beat it out um DFW had a couple of uh, local players drafted last year. Julie James Doyle, 
drafted by the uh, by Sky Blue FC uh, with the 11th pick last year. She's uh, kind of really excelled. Uh, a, a Sting product who played at Baylor, played for FC Dallas in the WPSL. Um, you know, this year she's got a couple of players potentially following her. Uh, you've got uh, Sierra Hinson, who is a uh, UT uh, from UT from Garland striker again from Sting, uh, two-time All-American. She is going to uh, North Carolina FC, I believe. Uh, the back-to-back NWSL champions. Uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, to see if she uh, succeeds there. And then uh, another one, uh, someone who has played for FC Dallas in the WPSL is uh, Chelsea Washington. Uh, she's been drafted out of Bowling Green State, uh, which is always the weirdest name for a university. Uh, Solar Chelsea product originally from Carrollton, a fantastic midfielder, uh, you know, proper midfielder wearing a number seven jersey. Not like uh, your your Aggie girl Ali Watt, who uh, as a striker wears number one. Kind of strange. Ali, we're gonna have to have a conversation about that. Number uh, one. Yeah, uh, she. she uh, what is uh, you know one of the many, uh, many Colorado Rush products. Um, you know, drafted Ooh. really high up in the first round. She'll she'll go far in it. Um, you know, be hopefully see a couple more uh, DFW kids and then you know there's a, there's a talent there's a real production line now the FC Dallas are in the DA and kind of taking it all seriously and, you know we've seen what what Solar are doing with the likes of uh, Alexis Mazima Mazima mm. uh, Trinity Byers and Jaden Shaw who they took from FC oh. Dallas in a ton of events that that U seventeen team for Solar Girls is just ridiculously stacked, yes. unbelievable. Yeah, um, I've never seen a team like that. You know, we we haven't seen uh, somebody from North Texas or, or from Texas at all on a U.S. Women's World Cup roster since Carla Overbeck lifted the trophy in '99. So, you know, give it a few years and we might see uh, see a repeat. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. See some of those young ladies make it to the top would be fantastic. Represent Texas. Definitely do it for Texas, uh, and yeah, and, and you know, over back uh, like uh, Henson and and Julie James, uh, you know, from from that uh, Dallas Sting team that was the uh, the women's uh, national team before there was a women's national <laughs> team. Kind of yeah. That... You know, if you've never looked into that, it's a really cool story. I know the Dallas Morning News did a whole visual thing a couple of years ago. There's there's plenty out there about them playing at, yeah. at national uh, international tournaments and uh, just being like crazy good. Sting is a massively huge club. Back in the day, it was the biggest club in the Metroplex for ladies and um, for young girls. Uh, it's not anymore, but they did just uh, merge with some uh, some really up and coming um, boys teams to make a whole larger unified club that are more like Solar, more like FC Dallas. So oh, really? I'd love to see Sting, uh, you know, get back up where they belong. At least on the, you know, the girls' side is still called Sting, but the, the boys' side is called something else. I can't remember what it is. Um, I think that's who that was. Hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn. Uh, I think they just merged with somebody. Let me pause while I Google that real quick. And, you know, while, while you're Googling that, there was that other move, uh, the Liverpool FC Academy, which uh, produced uh, Keaton Parks. 
uh, now Borussia Dortmund International Academy, which is uh, kind of jarring. I, I, I was uh, doing some grocery shopping and started seeing people in, in Borussia Dortmund kits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was right. Uh, Sting merged with a group called Titans Football, which is an up-and-coming boys club that I don't know a lot about, admittedly, but um, okay. I, I have heard of them. And um, the other traditional women's club that has merged with some of the uh, boys' side is Defeaters, um, which is used to be a big, powerful club mm-hmm. in the Metroplex. They merged with um, Dallas Kicks, which is uh, the, the boys' team that did some things at the Dallas Cup last year that was like, who the heck is this team? Uh, and I never even heard of them. And they're an up-and-coming uh, team from... Uh, not from some of the traditional hotbed areas too. Dallas kicks is so um, some interesting things happening on the club scene from some with the, with the merging of some traditional female powers with some newer um, young men's powers that are a little that might shake up the scene just a little bit. And of course, Texans is still Texans and Solar is doing great things both men and women. And, and FC Dallas they should be doing better on the women's side. I wish, but um, you know I, I understand what there's not a pro there's not a pro outlet for them yet. So they're getting better. So uh, some just not that that not compared to that one solar team, which is just crazy good, yeah. the seventeens. But well, maybe maybe someday we'll have to uh, find a real, uh, you know, youth uh, youth academy expert <coughs> generalist who can uh, jump on. We, we need one. We need one. Yeah. Maybe Pete. We need one. On, we need one full time actually for us. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't pay, but apply a third degree <laughs> yeah, now. I mean year-round, not full-time money. <laughs> there ain't no money yet, not in this. Uh, maybe uh, someday. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Shout-out to all the patrons who do support us. Well, it's not a job, but it is uh, every little bit helps. And, uh, you know, patreon.com slash third degree if you'd like to support the podcast. Every little bit does help. Uh it helps pay for the equipment and the and the service we use to record this thing, and it helps uh, all of us to get to Frisco and and back, and hopefully soon it might get us a camera and that toll that you Me have to camera. pay at the airport to interview players when they land. Yeah, it is ten dollars each way for me to go to training. So every little bit helps. That's just in tolls. Oof. So every little bit helps. So I appreciate all the love we get from the patrons, and uh, and, and there is some bonus content there for just them. That's. Uh, not on the site. We give them a little extra love, a little yeah. extra insider info. Maybe they'll even get some uh, some fresh audio from the first practice next mm, week. That'd be lovely. And uh, of course, there is the the t shirt store, which has that phenomenal red, mm. black, and wasabi green flying yeah, the, horse. Now the ninety six flying horse, lovely. Mike Miller helped me out with that. That was good stuff. Yeah, that shirt. I sold a bunch of those. It's now my number one selling shirt, and only like a week, wow. <laughs> which is amazing. All right, Dan. I think that's probably about everything. Do you have anything else we need to talk about? Nah, nah. Just, uh, just gonna grumble and, and wish Peter was back. <laughs> uh, we Peter's a professional him. host. It does make a difference, but uh, it, hopefully and, he'll be back soon. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm good at uh, clipping it all together. Yes. Yeah. So if we sound a bit ropey, it's uh, it's it's probably my fault, but not really. No, nah, we'll be good. Peter will be back, and uh, professionalism will climb back up next week, hopefully, and. And the podcast will continue every week through the rest of the season. Well, happy preseason, Buzz. Happy preseason to you. I'm ready to get going. Let's get started. Absolutely. And thank you, as always, for stopping by and listening to a little bit of our, well, mostly Buzz's insight and joining us once again on Third Degree, the podcast. That's right.